the total cost to company of the three executive directors stands at 12.5 million. That's not 0.4% of the overall wage bill. In terms of the Group Exco, the total cost to company of the group executives, it stands at 25 million. Then you have the cost of the freelancers, which is at about 500 million per annum. We have about five layers of management, which makes up to about uh, uh, 495 managers overall. And the cost to company is standing at 630 million. If you include junior managers, that number balloons to 1 billion per annum. We have always said this, when we engage in this process, we are not just focusing on any particular layer. We want to ensure that the structure that we want to come up with is fit for purpose to take the SABC to the next level. I think uh, before I ask the CFO as well as the COO uh, to come and say uh, their bit, we would want to just put on record that as the executives, we are committed to ensuring that we turn around the SABC. The decisions that we'll take in doing this may not be acceptable, but we know that it is in the best interest of the SABC. We have a choice to say, do we do what is right in terms of taking these decisions, or do you let the SABC collapse? And as you may appreciate, this is a very significant institution in our country to let it collapse, and we have to do what is right. Our goal is to ensure that we build an organization that is financially sustainable. We want to ensure that uh, this organization is a high-performing organization, but most importantly, we are committed to the fulfillment of our public mandate. Thank you very much. Currently at the podium is the Chief uh, Operations Officer of the SABC, Chris Marley. So our turnaround plan, in essence, is very simple. It tries to maximize efficiencies in the business. And that effectively means bring down our costs and ensure that we claw back on revenue and our audiences. That is, for our two main platforms uh, that, that are on TV and radio. Let me reflect and give you a sense of what we are also doing in terms of grasping the future opportunities in the SABC. One of the key interventions to maximize revenue really relates to our ability to invest in new technological innovations. That relates to the opportunities in the over-the-top space applications development for the SABC, ensuring that we prepare and are ready to benefit from the multi-channel uh, future that will be seen within the uh, digital migration, possibly DTT uh, environment. We have seen a lot of innovation in this space, but one of the key challenges that we have as a business is that we just don't have the finances to invest the crucial capex and invest the money for new content innovations that will help us turn that corner easily. The CFO uh, 
has, 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 has laughed and has made a joke of the fact that she's very tight about managing our cost base. This is crucial. However, there's a realization, particularly from our CEO, that we must find funding opportunities so that we can grasp these opportunities in the future. Let me just conclude by saying, when we look at the fit-for-purpose structure of the SABC, it's quite clear that our wage bill is at a place that does not really allow us to benefit from all of these innovations that I've talked about. The innovations in cost containment, the innovations in revenue maximization. So it is essential that we deal with this issue that causes a continuous, let's call it hampering, on the progress of the SABC from a financial sustainability perspective and also from an operational efficiency perspective. I just want to put it on record here today that the three executive directors seated here, including myself, do not take lightly the task that is ahead of us. We understand that as we talk about the opportunities that we must engage in, which relate to reducing our wage bill, that this has a direct impact on the people of our organization. We don't take this lightly. However, we are in a position where, in actual fact, because of the crucial importance of this institution, we would be remiss as executive directors not to engage in this difficult task that is before us. I want to reassure the people gathered here that this executive management team will do everything in our power to ensure the sound turnaround of the SABC. We will also do everything in our power to ensure that the sustainability from a jobs perspective but also from a financial perspective of the SABC is secure to the best of our ability. Thank you very much. Well, that's Chris Marulang, the uh, Chief uh, Operations Officer here at the SABC. And uh, the SABC executives addressing the media regarding the financial situation that the organization finds itself in. And the announcement has been made that there will be retrenchments. And uh, we are looking currently at the loss of about 1,200 jobs. Uh, Looking at our screen here, uh, the HR head uh, Jonathan Tekiso is currently addressing that briefing and we suspect it may be about uh, the retrenchment process. So let's just dip in to hear what he has to say. A picture as to why the organization uh, is sitting where it is right now in terms of, uh, in terms of the wage bill. Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tekiso. I think, you know, having, having looked at what our colleagues in the communication space have been talking about, in particular, uh, with particular reference to the Section 1, uh, envisaged uh, Section 189 uh, process, c- can we please explain to them what is 189? Where are we in the process? What kind of engagements we've had so far with the unions and what it means for our employees uh, at the SABC? <laughs> Thank you.
All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, what is 189? 189 is section 189 of the Labor Relations Act, and it is the section that deals with, uh, with, with retrenchments. Um, where are we at the moment? We're at a point where we've uh, consulted with organized labor. Uh, that is our representative unions, and, and in essence, these are three unions, and that's Communication Workers Union, that's PEMAU, and that's MUASA. And I think people will frown at the fact that MUASA is also included, whereas they don't command the majority. Uh, the Act is very clear that when you go through Section 189, you have to make sure that you include all the unions that are representative or that have members within, within the organization. Uh, and so we met on the 12th of October uh, with, with all unions uh, to communicate to them the fact that the organization is in the process of invoking Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act. Uh, that meeting could not, pro could not uh, continue, proceed, uh, to the extent that we wanted it to, and it essentially was, uh, uh, it was uh, not concluded, and uh, the conclusion was the fact that we want to put the notice, 189, uh, Section 189 notice, in abeyance so that we can come back at a point where we are able to provide organized labor with all the information that, that they are looking for. And so um, we have then uh, been able to issue a Section 189 that is uh, fit for purpose. Fit for purpose in the sense that uh, it encompasses all the characteristics that are articulated in Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act. And I'm just going to take half a minute to indicate to you what are those characteristics. First of all, our notice uh, indicates the rationale as to why we're invoking Section 189. And the rationale is divided into two areas or two tiers. The first being the financial aspect. And the CFO has given you some glimpse as to the dire financial uh, strait that the organization finds itself. So the first rationale is the financial. The second rationale is the structural uh, reason. And the structural reason uh, is very interesting if we understand that we have, on one hand, a contingent of, uh, of freelancers, and on the other hand, we have a contingent of uh, permanent employees. At this point in time, we have 2,400 plus minus freelancers uh, on, on one hand, and then we have 3,376 employees permanent on the other hand. Now, what has happened over time is that we have found a situation where, in some instances, you have our permanent employees uh, you know, having their functions being taken away or taken over by freelancers, and thereby inflating the, uh, the wage bill. And so this is the structural tier that I'm referring to uh, where I'm saying that uh, our notice is premised on two tiers. Uh, our notice goes further to indicate uh, the number of positions that have been identified to be affected. Let's pause here and indicate that whereas the organization has identified that number of employees, which at this point in time is 981, uh, the notice is very clear that Section 189 affects all employees. It affects all employees from executive directors uh, to the lowest grade employee within the organization. But for now, the organization has identified 981 employees. Um, the notice also 
talks about alternatives that have been considered before the organization can uh, contemplate going through Section 189. The alternatives, some of which have been spoken to by the, by the CFO, pertain to the cost-saving measures up to now, that up to now, you know, we've been able to achieve. And uh, as of now, today, we've been able to, you know, to, to, to achieve at least 60 million rand in terms of, in terms of savings. Uh, and I think she referred to you know, things, the things that the organization can no longer do because some may be perceived to be lux- you know, luxuries. For instance, uh, you know, we've, we, you know, we, we, we've done away with, uh, these are the last uh, uh, bottles that you are seeing here, uh, mm-hmm. bottled, bottled, bottled water. This is the last dog. We're not going to, you know, to have those luxuries anymore. Uh, and so that may be the, you know, uh, some of those uh, uh, criteria. Uh, so, sorry, some of those uh, alternatives. The notice also speaks to the criteria that we are going to follow in the, in the event we go through Section 189. And those criteria may include things such as the organization, being what it is, is going to place emphasis on uh, skills, qualifications, and experience. And then the other criteria might be life or, you know, last in, first out. These are matters that we are going to engage with, with, with unions as we, as we go through the... Uh, the, the consultation process. Notice also speaks to the issue of severance pay. The Act is very clear that, and this is the basic conditions of Employment Act now, it's very clear that uh, severance pay will be a week's salary for every year worked. And now, our notice is very clear that in the event we go through this process, um, and in the event we, 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 we provide an affected employee with an alternative job, and that employee decides uh, or unreasonably decides to decline that alternative. Unfortunately, they will have to forfeit the severance uh, pay. Um, oh, quite, quite importantly, the notice also speaks to the fact that there must be the appointment of a facilitator. Um, we can announce here and now that uh, we've been able to uh, submit the necessary documentation to the CCMA so that they can appoint a commissioner slash facilitator who is going to be responsible uh, for the management of the consultation process. Talking about the consultation process, there's a time limit as far as the Act is concerned, which is 60 days. The consultation process must be concluded within 60 days from the first day of, uh, of consultation. And after that, 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 after that, uh, that the, the lapse of the 60 days, um, the, uh, the organization can proceed you know, with, uh, with, uh, with termination of employment. Uh, you know, if, if, if we, uh, we actually proceed with, uh, with, with retrenchment. In conclusion, uh, I just need to highlight the fact that uh, with the organization implementing the public protector uh, remedial action, the organization has been in a position to unravel, you know, some of the irregularities that have happened over time. And those are, can, can essentially be classified into three. The first one being there were ad hoc increases you know, that, that, you know, that were implemented without any just cause. Uh, we are delving deep into those you know, to, to, to begin to understand what transpired there. Secondly, there were irregular appointments uh, you know, where there is no uh, proper documentation to justify those appointments. And thirdly, you know, there are those promotions that can, can never be justified in, that, in terms of a paper trail. Now, these three have uh, essentially 
cost the organization an amount of 60 million rand, which is uh, an amount that we are going to, to be pursuing. Oh, uh, before I leave, and I know I have time limitations, I, I just need to highlight this point quickly. The fact that uh, the organization is now at a, at, a, at a phase where we know what the structure is going to look like that we are looking for. Now, that structure will be premised on, on two very clear uh, areas. The first one being a span of control of managers. I'm sure you'll agree with me that where a manager has a span of control of, of, of 10, 15, 20 people, it just becomes uh, dysfunctional. The other is uh, layers. You know, the layers below that manager, that report to that line manager, is also an area that we've addressed. And we like to refer to this as spans and layers. So our structure is premised on a very clear uh, spans and layers process. Let me just make sure that I've covered everything. Yeah, and, and, and the last point is that in terms of this 60 million that I've, re that I've referred to, uh, the good advocate Vanara is busy with a process uh, of approaching the labor court with a view to us being able to recover uh, those, those funds. But secondly, with a view to invalidating or overturning uh, those uh, irregular uh, appointments and promotions. Thank you.